Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. oppression. A big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer. Tom's cabin, right? So, um, are we just not gonna talk about it? About what? I don't know, just maybe like about yesterday or everything. There's nothing to say. Yeah, I guess, um, I guess I'm just a little, uh, I guess I just don't really understand. Why didn't you tell me what's going on here? I mean, you know I'm not exactly Mr. Popularity back at home. I mean, you've seen it. I've been bullied my entire life. I mean, I, I know what it's like. No, you don't. Okay. What don't I understand? I am different. I do not belong. You mean in Lenora? Anywhere. <sighs> Come on, you, you can't actually believe that. Everyone looks at me like, like I'm a monster. Well, they just don't know you. You think I'm a monster too. What? Yesterday, the way you looked at me. You, you were scared of me. No, no. No, that's not, that's, that's not true. I was surprised. Maybe I was a little upset in the moment, but I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't know what to do. I mean, it just, it was so crazy. It happened so fast, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't matter. I, I care for you so much. Care? 
But you don't, you don't love me anymore? Who, who said that I didn't? You never say it. I say it. You can't even write it, Mike. From Mike. From Mike. From Mike. From Mike. From Mike. Okay, 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 I love him. You're being ridiculous. What, like, what is this? You, you know what I think of you. You're the most incredible person in the world. And you can't let these mouth breathers ruin you. Ruin us. I mean, they're nobodies. They're nobodies. And you're a superhero. Not anymore. everybody this is tony with the stranger things podcast and today we're covering chapter three the monster and the superhero so jumping right into this episode dr owens is back and confronted by military officer sullivan lieutenant sullivan to be exact now back at the skating rink we have angela being attended to with some eerie unsettling music playing while the entire crowd of onlookers look at 11 and l is visibly shaken up at this point now go to back now going back to dr owens and him being confronted by uh lieutenant sullivan he this guy he seems to be one of the true bad guys of the uh of this particular season and he's up there with with jason but just a little bit more menacing and um, so we have several bad guys going on here. And, you know, what I've noticed about this show is, and I think, you know, for the most part, the Duffer Brothers and some of the other producers of the show have said as much as the the human uh, villains sometimes are far worse than the supernatural ones. And I would definitely say that they uh, play a huge impact on what's going on with the characters and how the characters are affected within the show. And this is said... And, uh, and done in so many different uh, beautifully uh, um, taped ways. And it, I, I just think that these characters bring a lot of depth and just so much menace to everything that they're doing. And they're just disrupting everything. Jason is out looking for Eddie Munson. He's stirring up the whole town. And then you have... Uh, uh, Lieutenant uh, Sullivan, he's going after Eleven, he's looking for Eleven, he's basically 
making Dr. Owens do these things that he doesn't necessarily want to do, but he feels like he, he has to do them in order to protect her. So that there's this greater good. And, you know, and then we have Dr. Brenner back, which, you know, the, the thought on him has changed a little bit, but it, it hasn't changed much because there's some really questionable things that they're doing with these kids with a lot of the experiments that they're doing on all of them and Dr. Owens is brought right back into that and this just shows you that he's just a a really he's a doctor but he's a scientist and he's really wanting to know what's going on but at the same time we we have seen in this season that he really cares for Eleven and ultimately how she's affected and her well-being overall so, you know, you know, with the whole, with the whole unsettling with Eleven and this just takes her right back to where she was. And it's almost like she's uh, gone full circle. She's come full circle back around to where she was at the very beginning of this uh, series. And she's, you know, shaved head now. And we've got a whole bunch of things going on with her in the, in the uh, deprivation tank. And she's meeting all these uh old characters and, and reliving a lot of these old memories and it's you know that's the thing about trauma you know when you haven't necessarily confronted that and, and, and deal with that trauma that stuff is brought to the uh, forefront uh, later on and it's usually in your adulthood under some uh, strenuous stressful situation situations and it's brought out so uh, you know that's at least that's what I've seen you know thus far living <laughs> in the adult world but I'm pretty sure all of us deals with this in some shape fashion or form but you know there's just the whole scene where she's just so shaken up and she just feels like she has regressed so much and she thought that she was having this you know progress in society and she feels like she belongs and then now she doesn't feel like she belongs as much and she's just really down on herself and she doesn't know where her story is going to to go where her life is going to go at this point so murray and his risotto dinner this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire uh <laughs> <laughs> of the entire um well at least the entire mid part of this episode it, it's just so funny you know argyle and jonathan going back and forth and jonathan not knowing uh any of what's going on and argyle's like you know dude you need to you know pretty pretty much he's saying you need to chill out and you know he's you know recapping him as things are going on and joyce is looking at him as like what is wrong with you and then murray is so funny he's like i know what's wrong you know he's you know, he just goes into this whole thing. And then he's talking about the tension. Uh, Murray is talking about the tension that's going on at the table and everything. And then he comes right back full circle back around to the risotto dinner. And I just uh, I just love uh, Murray and just all these characters and just the comedy in this um, in this season, because we have a lot of uh, gory, uh, horrific, dark things that that happen within this uh, season, not to be uh, uh, overlooked or overshadowed in the least, because uh, there's a lot of dark, dark things, probably as dark as you possibly can get in a series, especially dealing with uh, children, and we need all of these comedic moments, and this was definitely one of the ones that was a highlight for this episode for me, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people will, you know, go along with those sentiments as well. 
So Vecna, his musical score is just awesome. And I played it in the uh, last episode of a Stranger Things podcast. And this is just so creepy, so uh, sinister. Uh, it's eerie. It's just, uh, it's just so. Uh, it just makes you, makes you feel icky. And there, there's this whole. Uh, comparison between Vecna and Freddy Krueger, which he looks a, a, a bit like, and um, you know he looks like he has this whole burnt face like Freddy Krueger, but at the same time he looks like uh, Pinhead, and then he has some uh, slight comedic, light-hearted, if you can even say that about Vecna, uh, moments where he's channeling some uh, some of the it character, and I I thought that that is a very great. Uh, line that they're towing with this character, but the musical score is one of the is one of the best uh, that I've heard, and it really mirrors what the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Elm Street, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, uh, Freddy Krueger's title song. It really parallels that really, really well, and they go hand in hand almost. And there's some. Uh, homage being played to that particular uh, score and you hear a little bit of that in Vecna's theme because if you listen to the original Nightmare on Elm Street uh, song theme and then you listen to Vecna's you can hear some of those the uh, subtlety going throughout you even hear a lot of it when Nancy's at the uh, trailer park and she's talking to uh, Wayne Munson and, and she's even talking to Steve and uh, Dustin and the rest of them at the trailer park. And they're getting ready to start looking for, at least Nancy is, she's getting ready to start going looking for uh, Fred. And there's just that, that, that one note sound, the score in the background. And it's so uh, Nightmare on Elm Street-ish. And, and it, it really plays well. And it builds the tension. And then there's just so much... Uh, great that comes from that and there's just so many great things that are coming from this particular uh, um, episode of the show and then you have uh, Fred uh, which is Vecna's second victim is found now so he's found so in the last episode Chrissy was found and now Fred Benson is, is found and he is just uh, mutilated in much the same way as Chrissy was so they're trying to figure out okay exactly what's going on at this moment what do we what do we have that's that's really truly going on and you know going back to Vecna a little bit there's a lot of things going on with with uh, Vecna and and the like I said the comparison between him and Freddy Krueger and Freddy Krueger was uh, supposed to be a child uh, killer molester uh, um, that pedophile pretty much and he got burned uh, because the whole the whole community came together the adults they, they found out what he was and what he was doing and they burned him alive and then he finally he came back in their dreams Freddy Krueger that is he came back in their dreams and was starting to uh, to uh, kill them in their dreams. So this was basically the whole uh, concept. Um, I'm oversimplifying this <laughs> a lot because there's so many different other little things and nuances going on with that story. But this is uh, basically what Freddy Krueger is about. So, and you see a lot of that with uh, Vecna. He's going after these kids and he's basically inserting himself uh, into their 
uh, minds and memories and he's really getting into their psyche really diving deep into uh, a lot of what's going on with them personally and I, I just found this to be one of the uh, greatest uh, points in the uh, in this particular uh, uh, episode and we're going to take a brief break here and I will be right back Mm-hmm. Jonathan, 
What is wrong with you? I don't think I know what's wrong with him. We just had a super stressful day. Stress, huh? This girl got smacked in the head today at the roller rink. Smacked. Yeah, it was one of those vicious skate attacks. Skate attack? Yeah, but, but it wasn't like an ice skate. It was, um, it was a plastic skate. Mm, no, it was like rubber. Rubber, rubber, rubber. You know what? I'm not sure. Anyway, she, she looked like she's going to be fine. She's totally fine. She didn't look fine. Al, aren't you going to finish your... What? What's going on, you guys? Okay. I, uh, I sense tension. Is it the risotto? Everyone hates the risotto. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. No, it's incredible. Is risotto? Smacking it. Still have no idea who he is. Delivery service. So we got uh, some good news and some bad news. How do you prefer? Bad news first, always. Right, bad news. We tap into the Hawkins PD dispatch with our Cerebro, and they're definitely looking for you. Also, they're uh, pretty convinced you killed Chrissy. Like, 100% kind of convinced. And the good news? Your name hasn't gone public yet. But if we find out about you, it's only a matter of time before others do too. And once that gets out, everyone and their shallow-minded mother is going to be gunning for you. Hunt the freak, right? Exactly. So, before that happens, we need to find Vecna, kill him, and prove your innocence. That's all, Dustin? That's all? Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Listen, Eddie. I know everything that Dustin is saying sounds totally delusional, but we've actually been through this kind of thing before. I mean, they have a, a few times, and, and I have once. Mine was more human flesh-based, and theirs was more smoke-related, but bottom line is, collectively, I really feel like we got this. Yeah, see, we usually rely on this girl with superpowers, but uh, those went bye-bye, so... Uh, so we're technically in, in, in more of the brainstorming phase. Brainstorming. There's, there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> from the dog and then he was just gone see anyone lurking about you know someone who looks like they shouldn't be there no 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 there, there was nobody there nobody. and i already told this to officer daniels did you look into victor creel sorry what's that victor creel wayne got an inner headed deal that did this victor's locked away tight honey. you don't need to worry about him all right now you said last you saw fred he was by the picnic tables do I have that right? Miss Wheeler. It was by the picnic table. Is that correct? Miss Wheeler. Does the picnic table ring a bell? Do you think I should have just told them? What? Told who? The kids. It, it just felt so wrong to lie to them like that. Mm. Right, right, right. Well, I'm not exactly an expert in parenting. <laughs> but for what little it's worth, I think you did the right thing. The responsible thing. Responsible? Your children, bless their mischievous souls, <laughs> they like to get involved. 
This way, what? They play too much Nintendo, eat too much junk food, smoke some ganja, pound some beers, experiment sexually. I mean, really, what's the worst that can happen? Excuse me, ma'am. So sorry to interrupt, but you're going to need to fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> of course. <laughs> mm, buckle up. Like, this is really going to save me if we crash. All right, I'm back. So we have this whole scene where Mike and Eleven start to to fight. And it feels at this moment, just like Mike has said, uh, it feels like this argument is more adult in nature. And it feels like, you know, just like he said, they can't come back from it. So it's, it's a little bit different than the uh, childhood fights and, and, and arguments that they had before. And this is something that is so different. And this goes back to something I was saying in, uh, in the, uh, second episode or rather the, uh, the, the, the uh, first episode was that, you know, there was this little, and you, you know, you can kind of like say that it was a throwaway, uh, little scene or little sequence within a scene, but it was the point where, Mike was giving Eleven these flowers that he had picked in Hawkins and he uh, and then she looks at uh, the note and it says from Mike instead of love Mike and she brings that up in this particular argument so that wasn't necessarily for me it wasn't necessarily a throwaway line it was something you know it was like a little breadcrumb being left there something that you can kind of like you know hang your hat on a little bit coming back and you know she really you know, she really dives into that a little bit and she just goes through all the letters and everything. And she goes, you know, from Mike, from Mike, from Mike. And she's really upset at this point and he's going back and forth. And, you know, and he just can't even say that he loves her at this moment. And, and I don't know if there's this just a uh, teen thing going on or just like Levin was saying that he fears her somewhat. And, you know, that's a little bit off putting for her. And, but then there's this moment where they just, you know, settle in and it's like, you know, this is what it is at this point. And then, uh, 11, she gets arrested, uh, right after because of the incident at the, uh, skating rink, uh, skating rink with Angela. And, uh, you know, it's really sad seeing a lot of this all going on and, you know, I really felt for her at that moment because we, you know, because the way they're setting this all up uh, is as if, you know, there's really no coming back for her from this point. But of course, we know that's, you know, just a build up for something else that's going to occur and to just to get her into uh, custody because she's basically gotten herself into um a situation that is really, really uh, hard. And just the way that she was interrogated by the local police in the uh, station, that was really something that I found to be uh, disturbing. And I say that because, you know, wait a minute, she's a, she's a child. So she can't be uh, questioned by the, by the police without either, uh, an attorney uh, or her parents there 
throughout the whole process so before they could even do that and you know I don't know maybe this was something that the Duffer Brothers were doing because there was a lot of little things that happened on 80s movies and TV shows where things we know wouldn't happen in real life they just uh, displayed on camera so I'm thinking maybe this is something that they played up to and with because we know that she can't be questioned as a as a minor. So I, I just thought that that was something that a lot of people probably didn't look into a lot of. But you know, and then and then just her her whole just not really dialing into a lot of the uh, social cues and just the way she answered the questions. It just you know like she wasn't sorry. She didn't know if she was sorry and. The officers are asking her this question, you know, this particular question, and they're confused about this. And does she really feel sorry for what she's done? Does she have any remorse? And she she's not processing a lot of that. And really, they dive into her, and this was, you know, this is something. And really, in court, a lot of that uh, would be would not be admissible within a court of law. So, with all that being said, uh, you know this was just a scene just to kind of like gauge where she is as far as on a social uh, uh, point and where she's you know she doesn't really know how to deal with things and I just found this whole scene to be so uh, intriguing to say the very uh, least so we get Murray to Joyce on the plane <laughs> this is one of the funnier scenes and this is one of my aside points here this is not like a main thing but you know Murray says to Joyce on the plane you know play too much Nintendo uh, eat too much junk food smoke some junk you know ganja uh, place um, pound some beers <laughs> experiment sexually you know what's the worst that can happen he just goes through the whole line a list of all the worst things a parent can think about their teen doing. <laughs> I just found he's, like, he's basically like, "What's the worst that can happen?" He's not a parent, so you know, you know, he he has a different perspective and view on a lot of these different things. And being a parent of you know older teens, it just you know you're just always wondering, but you want to give them the the space and the leeway. But at the same time, it's like uh, you're worrying, and you don't really truly get that until you you know hit adulthood and you know all that fun stuff which you know i found to be very very funny and this is all referencing just kind of like um the setting um the background a little bit for that um this whole scene and why it was so to me it was so hilarious was that uh that you know joyce is trying to call uh jonathan and will and the rest of the of the kids and they're not answering the phone and, and she's trying to figure out what's what's going on with them what's you know what exactly is is happening and she can't get a hold of of them because she's basically you know she's her with murray is you know darting off to alaska to somehow try to get hopper back and meet with uh yuri this uh russian uh smuggler uh pilot and i just found this whole scene to be just so uh funny and hilarious now, there's this next scene where uh, Dustin, Max, Nancy, Robin, Steve, they figure out the Vecna link while some Freddy Cougar-esque music plays in the background. And I alluded to a little bit of this earlier on uh, in the episode. And this was really great, you know, because she's 
she's being Nancy Drew, as she was called in season three. And, um, and a lot of this is really playing out as she's talking about the, uh, the mythology of Vigner Creel and what Vecna possibly is. And, you know, we get a little bit of closure on a little bit of that gap a little bit later on, but she just got finished talking to, uh, Wayne, um, Wayne Munson and they just you know they're just having this conversation at this little picnic table in the middle of the trailer park and they just dive into it and you can just hear the music swelling in the background as Nancy's having this conversation and it's just like it's it's pulling you in slowly but surely and and you're just being sucked into that world briefly for a moment. And it's done in such an effective way that it just truly feels creepy and unsettling. You don't know what is going on and what's happening around the corner. And then also we get the whole scene where what's going on with uh, with Fred and everything. Um, or what has happened with uh, with Fred and we get... A lot of uh, a lot of that still in the background because they're still thinking about you know Fred being found in the same manner as Chrissy, and everything that has happened with him. It's just you know it's on mine right now. Now we get Steve, and one of my funniest and favorite scenes of the <laughs> of the episode was Steve. He says. Always the babysitter. Always the goddamn babysitter. <laughs> He's getting into the car, and I just, I just rewound this part. Okay, this is this is me talking like it's 1980s. You know, I uh, you know pull back on the um, tab on Netflix. Anyway, you know, I just found that to be so funny. You know, because he's like, I'm being pulled back into this again. I cannot get out of this. Why can't I get out of this whole situation? And he he's just he's just not having any of it. You can see he's uh, visibly uh, disturbed and, and, and upset at this moment. Okay, disturbed may be a little bit, you know, reaching here, but, you know, you, you can tell he's clearly upset with the whole uh, situation as to what's going on. I'm going to take a brief break and I'll be uh, right back. So you're saying that this thing that killed Fred and Chrissy, it's from the Upside Down. That's the shoe fits. Our working theory is that he attacks with a spell or a curse. Now whether or not he's doing the bidding of the Mind Flayer or just loves killing teens, we don't know. All we know is that this is something different, something new. Doesn't make sense. It's only a theory. No, Fred and Chrissy don't make sense. I mean, why them? Maybe they were just in the wrong place. They were both at the game. And near the trailer park. We're at the trailer park. Uh, should we maybe not be here? There is something about this place. Fred started acting weird the second we got here. Acting weird as in... Scared. On edge. Upset. Max said Chrissy was upset too. Yeah, but not here. She was crying in the bathroom at school. Serial killers stalk their prey before they strike, right? So maybe Fred and Chrissy saw this Vec man. Vec not. I don't know about you guys, but if I saw some freaky wizard monster, I would mention it to someone. Maybe they did. I saw Chrissy leaving Miss Kelly's office. If you saw a monster, you, you wouldn't go to the police. They'd never believe you. But you might go to your, your shrink. 
thing I want to check on first. Something you maybe want to share with the rest of us? I don't want to waste your time. It's a real shot in the dark. Yeah, okay. Are you out of your mind? Flying solo with this Vecna creep on the loose? No, it's too dangerous. You need, need someone to... I'll stick with Nance, all right? You guys take the car, check out this shrimp. I don't think you want me driving your car. Why? I don't have a license. Why oh, don't you have a license? I'm poor. I can drive. No, no. Never again. Please. Anybody but you, no. No chance. Come on. No. All right. Okay, this is stupid. Us ladies, we'll stick together. Unless you think we need you to protect us. Be careful! You're just gonna stand there and cock? Shut up. Get in the car. Wipe your feet. On the outside, not the inside. Always the babysitter. Always the goddamn babysitter! Okay, help me get this straight. Eddie's uncle, Wayne, thinks that Victor Creel escaped from Pendrist Asylum and that he's the one running around Hawkins committing all these murders? Pretty much. But Victor committed the eyeball murders, like, way back in the 50s. Look, 59. So that means these murders predate uh, 11 and the Upside Down by about 30 years? Yeah. Which makes spooky Victor Creel, like, 70 years old. Yep. Oh, he's a grandpa murderer who can turn invisible and lift people into the air. It doesn't make sense. I know. That's why I said it was a shot in the dark. I know. I just thought that by shot in the dark you were being modest or hiding something super solid up your sleeve that you were going to wow us with later. But this is like really, truly a shot in the dark. Like we are snipers with blindfolds on who've been spun around 50 times. Sorry, we're in a bit of a rush. Could we get the keys to the basement archives? Of course. Give me one second. Did I come off mean or condescending or something? No. Right. Sorry. It's just you seem annoyed. You don't know me very well. I don't really have a filter or a strong grasp of social cues. Okay. So if I say something that upsets you, just know that I know that it's a flaw. Believe me, my mother reminds me daily. Got it. All right, ladies. Here you go. Have fun. Yep, we'll try. Okay, she's in. I'm missing collarbones, not eyes. So, we gonna talk about it? Uh, sorry, talk about what? Your temporary insanity earlier today when you basically threw yourself at Nance. Okay, first of all, that's not what happened. Pretty sure okay. that's what happened. It was pretty public. There were, like, a lot of witnesses. Are, are you implying that I still have a thing for Nance? No, I'm not implying. I'm you're, stating. And as it relates to your steadfast refusal to date Robin, it's pretty much the only logical explanation. That's not the only one. And as for Nance, I was just trying to protect a friend. A friend, Henderson, okay? Okay. I don't want to find her in the morning with her eyes sucked out of the front of her skull by this Vecna creep. <laughs> You're, like, bright red in the face right now. No, I'm not. I don't want to talk about it. I'll punch you so hard in your face that your teeth will fall back out. Oh. Too far. Not cool. Sorry. Not cool. It's okay. Anything juicy over there? Nothing new. Yep. 
Same here. Victor seemed like a normal guy. Dead family, missing eyes. Took a plea deal, sent to Benhurst, blah, 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 blah. What are we looking for exactly? Nance? Any mention of dark wizards or alternate dimensions? Things in that vein? I don't know. Okay? It's starting to seem like this was just a big waste of time. And you're obviously bored, so why don't you just call Steve? I'm sure he'll come pick you up, and I mean, I'm not really in danger here, so... You do know that Steve and I are, like, totally not a thing, right? What? So I figure that you and Jonathan are still going strong because you guys are going to college together and you're like one of those unstoppable power couples. But I, I just, I wanted to make sure that you knew that Steve and I are just friends. Like platonic with a capital P. Just in case that's adding any tension between us. Wasn't. Holy shit. The Weekly Watcher, I can't believe they have this. Don't they write about, like, Bigfoot and UFOs? First of all, UFOs are absolutely real. Bigfoot, I'm still on the fence about. But may I remind you that we are looking for information on dark wizards? If someone's gonna write about that, it's gonna be these weirdos. Ah, Elvis, cloned by aliens. You never know. So we get this whole scene where uh, Vecna seems to be going through 
everyone's memories of different people, mostly kids, when he's picked Patrick, a, a basketball player on Lucas's team. And we see some of what's going on with Patrick. He's having an argument with his father in the car. And um, and he's basically saying, you know, you're you're drinking too much. You're being a embarrassment to the family and he's having an argument with him and then we see some scenes later on where he comes and he has a black eye or something like that so his father is being abusive to him that's what we are led to believe within this particular scene so we we know that Patrick has some uh, some issues going on and Vecna has seemed to really dive into a lot of the kids and he's focusing in on like I said the kids that are having uh, problems and if there was a, a an adult or two that he went in but he's really trying to find someone who has issues and it's almost like he's feeding off of that like that 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 is really growing and feeding what he has going on and there's a little thing here you know I kind of like want to say as an aside here okay so Vecna is feeding on and going through all of these different kids and he's feeding on all of this and you know I know there's been this big debate and I've basically spurred it on and put it out there who's really in control is it Vecna or is it uh, is it the mind flare and as far as I'm concerned the mind flare is still the big baddie he's still in control of everything I know some people don't want to hear that but I've laid out a really good argument as to why would sound uh, proof of this going throughout the entire series so you know for me I, I think that this is is that this is probably the case the mind flayer is still in control but Vegna like I've said Vegna is the bad guy right now he's the one that's truly creepy we see a face to that to that world that is the up, upside down or or the alternate uh, dimension so we we truly see a lot of a lot of that going on so you know with with all that being said could Vecna have gone rogue at some point yeah I think he could have gone rogue and taken what the mind flare has been doing right and you know he's just gone his own way he's you know a deserter to a certain point and I think this is probably a better case as to what's going on. So we can truly say that, yeah, the Mind Flayer is in control, but Vecna right now has taken it up a notch and is basically like, I'm not going along with your plans. Of course, he's not probably not talking to the Mind Flayer like that, but he's probably saying, you know, I've, I've gone, uh, I've basically gone my own way and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he's really did some uh, horrific things and he's doing some horrific things thus far so with all that being said uh you know really are they working in tandem yeah probably but there are so many different things with Vecna like when he's attached to these tentacles uh these uh tendrils that come down and there was a moment with Fred I don't know if when, whenever he put his hand over his face and he's almost like he's he's relishing that he's enjoying that thoroughly it's almost like he's getting off on that a little bit and he has this moment for about you know 1.2 seconds where he's just you know he closes his eyes and he looks back and he just gives this almost uh uh moan of you know just pure enjoyment and when what 
he's actually doing. And, and, and that right there in and of itself, you know, is he feeding the mind flare? Because when he goes back and he, he comes down and when he comes down, we see him in the Creel house, he comes down. We saw that at the end of uh, episode two, he comes down and then these tendrils just, you know, these, all these vines and everything from the outside down, they just come out of him. Now, we know there's some kind of link between that and the spiders because that has been brought up uh, a couple of times with the, with the flashback scene of Eleven, uh, her in the lab. And then there's the whole scene where, uh, well, we won't reveal a lot of I've already spoiled it in the other explanation of, you know, who's in who's in control, uh, the mind flare of Vegna. But we know that there's a whole thing with uh, Henry Krill and spiders. So you know we go we go deep into a lot of a lot of that moving forward but this is just uh you know for me it's like okay that lets go you know those vines let go of him and does it go back to the mind flare because the mind flare is it's like almost like this omnipresent thing that's everywhere all at once so i don't know exactly how it works i'm pretty sure when volume two comes out we'll get a lot uh, more of the answers for it and to that moving forward but you know it's almost like he's docile he's he's just dormant just like will was when he was being used and billy also when they were being used you know with the mind flares you know just like will was saying you know he automatically he's just like dormant until he needs him and then he's activated so is this the same thing that's going on with uh, Vecna I have no idea but it's so intriguing to me to to try to figure out and understand a lot of what's going on now we get uh, Nancy and Robin at the library archives and they are just going diving through and they're going through this history of what uh, happened with Victor Creel and his whole story so we get that whole story and everything and we get that wrapped up in a tight little bow and there's this little comedic moment and understanding that is uh set up and basically uh rolled past but it's rolled past in a way that is truly uh satisfying between between robin and nancy and there's an understanding and they move on now steve and dustin in the car discussing nancy this is one of the funniest scenes like i said we get these deep dark dramatic moments and then we get these funny scenes and this is one of the funny scenes is you know because dustin is just basically uh egging steve on and really getting under his skin you know he's saying that steve's turning red every time he talks about nancy and i just love their whole uh friendship and dynamic between the two of them now, Lucas takes uh, J Jason and the others to the cabin as a ploy to get them off of the trail of Eddie. And we know that later on, Jason and the rest of the football or the uh, basketball team find out exactly what he's been doing. But this is just so great because I thought that maybe uh, that Lucas was going to be a traitor, <laughs> you know, because remember, in, especially in season one and, you know, in uh in beginning parts of season two he talks a lot about being a uh, traitor him and dustin uh lando from uh star wars and talking about that whole thing but we come to find out and, th and this was a great misdirect by the duffer brothers and uh, the directors and everyone else involved but they just uh you know make us think that they're going to this house where eddie is but in fact it's the now defunct uh, 
uh, cabin where Hopper was. So Lucas knows all this history behind it, and they know uh, Lucas knows that this cabin was destroyed uh, in season three in that episode. And I just loved a lot of what they uh, what they did with that in misdirect. And then Dr. Owens, uh, he sits down in a cafe with Eleven and they have this whole conversation and talk and he finally convinces her to come back to the uh, to the lab and to have these experiments done to basically get her powers back because that's ultimately what is needed because I don't think a lot of this story would move forward if she doesn't get her uh, her powers back. And then there's the whole scene where Vecna is channeling Max with the clock and this is truly horrifying because we know that there is this is all going to come to a head there's a lot going on with with uh her and Vecna and this is this is truly where we get a sense to where the story is going so far and what's going on with uh with Max and it's just so sad to uh to see you know all of what she's going on you know just aside from the supernatural stuff but just the the trauma of everything going on and then having that supernatural stuff be directly linked to what max is going on within that um that particular uh, uh se um, episode and just just the whole seriousness of of what she is is feeling what she's going through and we just feel so badly for her uh, moving forward. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Like I said, these episodes, I'm going to be pumping them out one after another. And uh, to, get, uh, to get everything under wrap before we head into volume two. Because that is going to be a full-on discussion. I'm definitely going to uh, do several episodes for uh, episode eight and nine. Probably, um, I'm thinking about doing maybe four episodes per episode. <laughs> so, so we'll have probably eight episodes to cover everything from beginning to end in uh, episodes eight and nine. So you guys will have plenty of, of uh, episodes to uh, binge, to, to listen to, to go back, to conversate on. Guys, make sure you start to send me lots of uh, lots of um, of comments. Uh, share, like, subscribe, and I will see you guys on the other side. Like a mini water gate or something. Hawkins Gate. Wait a second, didn't those guys get caught? Holy shit! You found it? Yeah, and not just Chrissy's file. Fred was seeing Miss Kelly too.
theatrics out there. I, I, I didn't mean to scare you, but uh, you, you got yourself into quite a little predicament, didn't you? You know, I, I, I relocated you guys to Lenora because I thought, you know, safe town, small, dull, far from Hawkins, nothing could happen here. And what was it, a roller skate or something? Ready to order some food? I think so, yeah. I'll just, uh, some more coffee and um, I'll have a, uh, uh, about the club special. Whatever you want, kiddo, it's on me. Waffles, please. Never too late in the day for breakfast, that's what I say. Am I in trouble? For the roller skate thing? No, 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 no. We'll make that go away. Don't even, don't even worry about that. That's not why you're here. To be honest with you, kid, I, I wish it was. Last night, I saw something. Something I've been dreading for some time. I don't know how to say this other than just to say it. Hawkins is in danger. You have fought this evil before, and you've won. But this evil, it's like a virus. Each time it returns, it comes back stronger, smarter, deadlier.
as we know it. This is why I'm here. Because I believe you are our best hope. Our only hope. What if I'm not good? What if I'm the monster? I don't know you that well, kiddo, but I'm betting the fate of the planet that you're one of the good ones. But I know you have spent too much of your life being told what to do by people like me. I know that. So you say the word and I will take you right back home. Or come with me now. Find out for yourself.